Appropriate Media presents NFT. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. I was joined by Avery Akinini, who runs Vayner NFT. Uh, Gary V, I'm a big fan. Just be honest with you, straight up. I really like Gary V. I really am motivated by Gary V, and he's taught me a lot. And I agree with you know much of what he says, and I think he's a really brilliant guy. But his V Friends project was even more brilliant because he led with utility. And you know, you got to remember when he was launching this project, it wasn't PFP avatar time. It was before that, right? And and utility at that point was sort of a novel concept. And even Top Shot at that point was not really doing much in the form of utility. So Gary led the way in sort of the charge to a utility first mindset and really giving the the, the token holder what they want, which in this instance is access to Gary. Beyond that. You know, utility is this NFT buzzword that every sort of PFP avatar project is using, you know, and it pretty much is ubiquitous for extra airdrops, some wearables, um, some maybe you have a liquidity pool, maybe there's some gamified aspect of it. You know, the roadmaps have become, for lack of a better phrase, like uber predictable. Like we know what is coming. But I really feel like V Friends was sort of this entirely different approach. And uh, as you're going to hear in this episode, Avery talks about how V Friends was sort of like created as as a, a blueprint for how celebrities could launch successful NFT projects. And I think it's just best to get into it. Uh, Avery is a really, really, really awesome guest, and I'm so grateful that she gave me some of her time. So without further ado, here is Avery Akinini of Vayner NFT. And we are back. I am so excited to be joined by a very special guest this afternoon. Uh, I am joined by Avery Akinini, who is representing Vayner NFT with us today. Thank you so much, Avery, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, first first thing that I always ask, how did you get into NFTs, this weird world of JPEGs and avatars? Where did it begin for you? The weird and wonderful world of NFTs and wild, I should say as well. Um, yeah, so I have been into sort of investing in cryptocurrency for the last um, five years or so. Um, got into it when I was living in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, I think that sort of got me first familiar with Ethereum and sort of look, looking into the space a little bit more. I started to get way more into NFTs in the past, you know, I would say six to seven months. Uh, because my boss, Gary Vaynerchuk. So I was running an agency in uh, Singapore uh, called VaynerMedia APAC. And I had opened that office um, and then opened up Singapore, Tokyo, Bangkok, and Sydney. Um, and I wanted to come back to the United States. So I had dinner with Gary and we started talking about what was next and what were some of the opportunities uh, you know, that, that he was thinking about. And he started to tell me a lot more about NFTs. And I had heard of the term before, but I was not very into it. So then I spent the next, you know, three to four months getting super, just reading everything, listening to Clubhouse, listening to podcasts, reading Discord, reading Twitter. And I was like, wow, okay, this is really interesting. And of course, following the marketplaces, buying some NFTs, selling some, just kind of getting my hands on it. Now I started to realize there's you know, just this tremendous potential in the technology of NFTs. And I was really excited to develop an offering to help more, you know, mainstream uh, people of interest, artists, um, associations, and brands um, develop a strategy as it relates to NFTs. So we launched Vayner NFT in July, and it's been about uh, a month so far. And, you know, now we're have a couple of very exciting projects cooking and 
yeah, getting our hands much, much more involved in actually launching NFT projects. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, you you bring up the the fact that it, that you're taking people that already sort of have IP, established IP, mm-hmm. and then like sort of surrounding it with NFT projects. Uh, what's sort of the challenge in terms of um, educating people who are maybe not familiar with the NFT space, especially people that are in really well-established brands or celebrities? Like, what does that sort of process look like from your end in terms of getting people to be knowledgeable? Yeah, so I think that, to your point about um, working with folks who already have existing IP, yes, it's part of that. And it's also um, partially about, you know, potentially helping them launch new IP as an NFT first, which we think is a really cool opportunity. A lot of the really successful projects right now are actually um, sort of launched. It's creating an uh, IP and launching it as an NFT. And that's what we did for VFriends, which is Gary's project. Um, But we also see the opportunity for, you know, even entertainment brands to launch something first um, as an NFT because we think it could be really cool. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. And, and, you know, how, how do we create that education? That's a huge component of what we're doing is helping to grow the overall market for NFTs. Um, of course, there are, you know, some, I think, technical hurdles for a lot of folks. Um, just, you know, one, owning cryptocurrency, having a wallet, being familiar with that process, understanding, um, you know, even things like gas fees, right? Um, you need a little bit of education in that space. So we've tried to be very thoughtful in creating that education. You'd see a lot of that um, for what we did with Gary's project, which um, included a lot of sort of educating his community on what NFTs are, how to buy them, how to actually get a MetaMask wallet, what that process looked like from a step-by-step, and really hand-holding people um, into joining this community. Because our goal is is certainly not just to... um, to kind of saturate uh, the crypto community. It's rather to grow that community overall. So education has been a big focus of sort of what we've been working on with our partners as well um, to help sort of grow the overall market for this um, versus just, you know, focusing on the crypto whales. How much of a barrier do you see crypto in terms of people getting into this space? I mean, I've, you know, Top Shot is a huge sort of entry point for a lot of people into the NFT space. And I think a huge part of that is the fact that fiat is so easily usable to get in. So, you know, How much do you think the barrier to entry is really about misunderstandings or just a lack of knowledge around how crypto works and crypto functions in general? I think it's a huge barrier um, for a lot of the normies. Um, You can read interesting stats, though, that like, you know, 17% of Americans own cryptocurrency, which is actually a lot higher than many, many folks would expect. I would not Um, have guessed that it would have been that high. Yeah. um, So... It's higher than a lot of people expect, but also that's America, which is um, certainly not the entire global marketplace. And if you look at other countries, I know you're based um, in the Middle East, I'm sure that number is much, much lower. Um, So one, owning cryptocurrency is definitely a barrier. Um, Topshot's been really effective because they've been able to take credit cards. And if you look at some other platforms that also accept fiat currency like Bitski, I think that's a really um, interesting offering that they have. Um, It's probably the number one hurdle to get normal people to buy NFTs is if they don't have cryptocurrency, they're not familiar with the the really like high fluctuations of that currency as well. Um, it can be intimidating for normies um, to get it into the space. With all that said, I think that there's a lot of technology innovation happening right now to open up that. Um, Shopify just announced something, I think it was last week with their um, pilot partner, the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, just their ability to take credit card massively opens up how many people can participate. It was in, in all of those drops. I scored zero because uh, <laughs> I'm a huge Bulls fan. I'm from Chicago originally, but it was, awesome. it was a really smooth drop uh, and, and it, it did work really well. 
Exactly. And I think that Chicago Bulls fans who aren't into um, crypto could also participate in that. And that was great. I think when, you know, I think about successful projects um, that are going to be for a little bit more of a mainstream audience, there needs to be a component of scale um, that enables people to to put this in their wallet, right? Like Space Jam did something that wasn't quite as smooth, um, but, you know, where they were giving out NFTs, um, which was kind of cool. Of course, there was no payment gateway. Um, They're participating in the space. But when you add, when you combine that scale with access, um, you know, utility behind the NFTs and scarcity, like those really like high value, um, unbelievable experience type of things. That's when I, I see a lot of like magic happening. Um, so yeah, I think that the accepting fiat, I bet in six months, it will not, um, be as much of a hurdle as it is now. Yeah. You know, I think that typically, uh, I've seen people struggle to wrap their heads around what an NFT is. And you know, similarly, when I was trying to explain to educators what blockchain was three years ago and four years ago in the K-12 space, and they would just sort of like mash it into calling it Bitcoin, you know, you so, sort of worry that they, the way you homogenize NFTs is by calling it crypto. Uh, and so I think like creating knowledge around how these different aspects of projects work is uh, is really important. The next thing I want to ask you, Avery, is so much of the NFT space, you know, especially when we're talking about the NFT art space, PFP space, is really dominated by indie projects and indie teams. Board Ape Yacht Club is a great example with Yuga. Um, and, and, and the community is sort of guiding the direction for the, the project itself. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like when you're talking about a consumer brand that's well-established that may want to have a little bit more of a gateway over how their community you know, evolves with that product? What, and you know, uh, the Stoner Cats drop happened last week, yep. and it was... Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on who you talk to and how they feel about it. But what do you think that the sort of role of consumer brands entering this space is and how do they create acceptance from the NFT community at large? Yeah. Sonarcats is a great example. I'm very polarizing drop, right? And I mean, it sold out in 37 minutes, so it's hard to, to claim it was a big failure, but there was a lot of like backlash from the NFT community um, on it. And, and of even though Ashton has been very involved in the space um, for, for quite a long time, um, there was you know, definitely some scrutiny on the project. Um, all of that said, he is not representing like a mainstream brand, right? Like Ashton Kutcher is a celebrity. He's not, you know, Chase Bank or, or something like that. Um, so I think that there probably will be um, some scrutiny from the OGs when brands really enter the space in in a bigger way, which I think everyone knows is coming. I think sort of the um, OGs who have the right attitude um, are saying, hey, this is going to grow for everyone. Um, we don't want this to just be, you know, that sort of traditional, like my band got too big kind of feeling. Um, there is a little bit of that happening. I think within the OG community is, is it becomes more normalized and people start participating in this in a bigger way. We see um, some brands kind of dabbling right now, but I, you know, from my perspective, I see most brands are just dabbling, right? They're doing a drop for charity. They're selling one item. They're selling four, you know, an animated taco, something like that. Um, <laughs> and a lot of this is, is benefiting charity. I'm about the rareable been- Taco Bell uh, yeah. NFT project. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So there's been a little bit of those kind of things happening, but um, you know, we haven't really seen a brand um, in a big way do something that really like unlocks utility or um, uses NFT technology in a new or innovative way. I think, again, in six months, that's going to massively change because well, brands have definitely woken up to the fact that this is a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous way for them to engage with their communities. Um, 
you know, in the, addition the utility, to sort of, the utility patterns with like PFP projects right now have gotten pretty predictable. You're going to have extra Fair. airdrops. You're going to have liquidity pool. You know, like the same sort of structures are popping up over and over again. So what do you think some of like the, without giving away any trade secrets or anything, the unique ways that brands could provide utility, consumer brands that, that maybe looks a little different than what these traditional roadmaps for NFT, PFP projects and generative art projects look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that brands can, there are so many different things you can do, right? From a brand perspective, you can have even something that's like a, a loyalty program, right? Um, you can use an NFT community as a way to do that and, and you know, give out free cookies or, you know, free um, experiences. A lot of brands spend a lot of money on sponsorships um, and the logistics behind actually distributing that, hey, you're, you know, uh, the ability, let's just say it's, um, we don't work with this company, but um, let's just say it's Coca-Cola and, you know, they have, they're giving away tickets to the Olympics, right? Um, even just giving those away um, through normal means is really complicated. <laughs> um, and, you know, using maybe your your community that's leaned in as a way um, to give like those incentives and perks as a loyalty program, that's one opportunity. I think you can also do it as, you know, tie it to merchandise. Um, Coca-Cola obviously did a, a drop last week with Taffy, um, which sold for almost $600,000, which is pretty incredible. It was a one-time NFT and they worked with various artists um, to create these sort of like the loot box um, concept, which is also pretty native um, to the crypto space, this idea of, you know, unlocking it to get different surprises. Um, so you can do some of that that's a little bit more merch-based, um, but I think the utility element can be um, something that's access, something that's product, um, something that is community, something that's unlocking different content. Um, there are really, and, and even like rethinking the sponsorships that they might have with celebrities or um, or partners uh, to launch something cool that that's like intellectual property that people may want to collect and save for a lot of iconic brands. Um, and you know, you've probably been following the Tom Sachs project, which is a little bit of like a critique on consumerism. Um, yeah, and he is a mainstream artist if you're you're into art um but you can see that um all those logos right like people want to get this rocket that's sweet and low or nasa or trojan or budweiser um and yeah i think that brands um can do a lot of different things uh using nft technology no one has really cracked that as a program i would say some have done a drop um but none of them have really um you know if you look on discord there aren't any brands with like pop in discords right now, but I think that will change for the brands that people love and want to interact with. Well, the, the NBA teams have, are, have started to spout up really quickly. Bulls just created a discord server, the King, several others, you know, so I think that that is changing. One thing about the consumer approach to NFTs. And sorry to you interrupt know, you, I'm Jeremy, but I would also say though that the, um, the NBA is an association, right? It's an entertainment more so than like, you know, a toilet paper brand. Um, yeah, that's I would I would not classify them as a brand so much as like an entertainment association kind of thing. But yeah, they're they're definitely the first mover in the space who's done incredibly well and, and um, certainly shouldn't be discounted because they also like have shown. A, I think that's often used as like the the best in class example. No, I, I really appreciate that clarification. So consumer brands typically buy back their customers. Right. So, you know, you have you know, you're putting an ad on YouTube. So, you know. Brand A is going to pay YouTube to run their ads, wherein if you have some sort of native community with social tokens and NFTs, you sort of get, you don't have to buy them back anymore. You have them within your community and you can um, sort of communicate and advertise to them directly. Is that, 
that paradigm shift in terms of marketing, do you think that that's something that's going to scale out like exponentially and, and, and brands are going to start owning their consumers again rather than having to pay someone else for them? Absolutely. Um, I think it will definitely scale out and there will be um, new use cases that we haven't even thought about yet. Um, they just sort of modernize things that um, have happened for forever, right? Like even collectibles. Um, uh, like we talked about fan clubs, we talked about loyalty. Um, and brands want to have a direct relationship with their consumers. I don't. I wouldn't say own, right? Because like consumers like should actively want to participate. But consumers, if you look at, you know, social media as, as a reference, right? Like brand... Um, people actually want to follow brands. They want to see what Red Bull's doing because Red Bull's doing cool shit. Um, and I think that that sort of uh, reciprocal relationship, um, and I'll use that Red Bull example um, a little bit further. People will actually pay money to go to a Red Bull concert um, You know, that's very like branded as Red Bull. People will pay money to go watch a Lego movie, which is really like a two-hour ad, right? If it's done in a way that's interesting and engaging and entertaining to consumers, they love it. Um, so I think that that's, you know, NFTs can help sort of cut out middlemen that have existed as well. I think that's probably one of the big trends that we'll see across various um, groups, like, you know, celebrities, same thing, music, art, all that middlemanning um, can be removed so the community can more directly interact um, with with these folks um, without such an intermediary, much the same way that, that social media um, enable that from just a communication standpoint. I think NFTs can unlock that from an access standpoint. Yeah, that sort of disintermediation is sort of kind of like the promise of blockchain in general, right? That we could start yeah. to eliminate, you know, those in the middle and, and get more direct with how everything in the world seemingly functions. Uh, what has been your take in watching the NFT? And, and I'm talking more about the NF, pure NFT art space. We're talking PFPs, generative art projects, one-to-ones. What, what's been your sort of analysis of the trends that are happening? Because seemingly from my perspective, there are, you know, we're getting a lot of supply now. There is another animal every day of the week popping up with 5,000, yes. you know, 10,000 uh, avatars coming. So can you just describe to me kind of what your take on all of this is right now? And where do you see it maybe in one month, which is essentially like six years in NFT time, um, but like in the next month <laughs> yeah. to, to month and a half, where do you see this going? Yeah, I think there's... Um... Right now, demand is outpacing supply, right? Like if you look, everything, everybody's getting FOMO. Everybody's like buying up everything. You know, yes, there's a new animal every day of the week. And a lot of them are like selling out instantly. Um, I don't think that's going to continue forever because people are getting wise to the fact you can just launch um, one of these animal projects with 10,000 avatars, sell out immediately, price them low, um, make money on the secondary sales. Like everyone's caught on to the fact that that is kind of the playbook. Um, I don't think that's going to go on forever. And it's also... a you know, the projects that I think really stand out to me are those that are doing something different, um, not just sort of like replicating the playbook of like what's worked for board apes, um, as an example. Um, I think that there will be a reckoning, if you will. Everyone talks about NFT winter. It's going to happen at some point. I think everyone just sort of like knows about it and, and accepts it. Um, but, uh, Probably, I don't think that will be happening in the next month. Of course, not financial advice. Um, I think in the next month, you'll see, you know, continue to see people, um, more normal people get on board with NFTs just because it's even all over the mainstream news. To People are curious um, as technology enables them to participate in this through um, accepting fiat currency. I think there will be more people buying in. A lot of these projects are not going to make it. Um, some of them will. The more like blue chip um, NFT uh, avatar projects, I think will continue to do really well. But as people just, you know, create, create, create using the same playbook, um, I think that there's a little bit of like fatigue and exhaustion of like, okay, um, 
does this, is this what this community needs as another um, avatar project? Uh, so I, I would assume that maybe there'll be another month of these or even potentially a few months um, of these like animal profile pick projects. And then it'll kind of taper out because some of them will start doing really poorly. And then that's, that'll be what changes it. It's like, Hey, there's been too much supply now of this and they're all dropping in price. Then people are like, Oh shit, I don't want to buy you know, to do the something next, else like, now. Yeah. Let's the playbook has changed. Like everyone has exhausted this to death. Um, and then just from a personal perspective, um, the projects that, that I think are really cool are, you know, there's one today, um, the fortune magazine drop, which looks like super cool, just doing interesting and new things, I think is really where there's value in, in exploring the technology. And, um, those are probably the projects that are going to, uh, you know, continue to spring up and be interesting to the more sophisticated, uh, collectors. Do you think there's anything that consumer brands can learn from from Board Ape Yacht Club in particular? And is there anything from like just a case study analysis perspective that you take away as big learnings from that project in particular? Yeah. Um, one that I, I think the biggest learning for consumer brands is something like this can spring up overnight. And this is not, you know, backed by um, Jeffrey Katzenberg or anything like that. Like this was a complete community project that was born overnight and created tremendous value. That's the biggest thing is that, um, you don't need the same, um, financial backing and the same celebrities working on something to launch a project that's extremely successful. That to me is a huge, uh, learning for brands. Um, because you know, that's how they've won a, a lot of times is just through distribution and through scale, um, and through money. Um, but now with, you know, Board Yacht Club shows you something can spring up and in three months um, create tremendous value um, that's entirely community-based. So to me, that's the biggest learning is that um, all of this can happen without all of the traditional mechanisms. And, you know, if you look at something like punks, that's taken years. Um, I think Board Ape Yacht Club is one of the, the first ones that just created, um, was such a cultural phenomenon in just a few months um, since it, it launched like extremely recently. Okay. We talked about the Tom Sachs project a little bit earlier. And my question to you is around IP in general. Uh, mm -hmm. What what do you think the future is for NFT art? Particularly, there's a lot of like intellectual property. Uh, I don't know how, if we would say fair use, I don't know. It, it's There's a lot of just straight up, you know, uh, I guess infringement. I don't know how else you would, you, yeah. you would, you would phrase it, right? What do you think the, the sort of are there going to be legal ramifications for a lot of these projects as it goes down the line and, and should they become more valuable? Because I'm thinking of the rockets in general, right? And I'm, yeah. there's direct brands on them. Um, yes. What do you see for that? And, you know, how does that look in your mind? Yeah. So you're bringing up a, a great point that like that sort of that project clearly uses um, brand images and logos, but in the same way, like Andy Warhol's Campbell Soup, I don't think he got permission from Campbell Soup to use that. So there is a little bit more of like, a, you know, art, artistic critique um, that's sometimes okay. I think from just a straight up legal perspective, like the um, right thing to do is you're supposed to get permission to use any brand mark. Um, of course, I can't speak for Tom Saxer's project, but I would assume you know, maybe he didn't get that permission, um, but since he's an artist and it's sort of part of an art project, um, there's maybe a little bit more of a, a pass, but I think also NFTs open up the fact that, you know, Tom Sachs has his name on it, but a lot of these projects, like, you know, you're just like user three, two, one. Um, and you know, how are you going to sue, um, an extra, like a public wallet address? Um, I think there's a, a huge thing of, uh, you know, just, additional considerations when a lot of this is happening in an anonymous way. I mean, it's not dropping through, um, a, 
you know, an auctioned house that you've heard of or um, a public face or public name. So it's going to be a lot harder for brands to like follow up um, on these kind of intellectual property infringement considerations that they will definitely be scanning the internet for at all times and, you know, making sure the right licensing agreements are in place. It just becomes a lot harder to police. And I don't have a great solution for that. Um, I think when it's art, there's the argument um, that, you know, it's, uh, you see logos all the time in, in different kinds of art and photography and, um, various forms of, of multimedia as well. So there's a little bit more of a pass there, but it's a lot harder to police this when you don't have a public facing name um, associated with it. And I'm not sure how brands are, are going to, uh, to handle it, but uh, I'm sure their legal teams are spending a lot of time thinking about it. Definitely. Can we talk V friends for a bit? Yeah, please. Okay. So, uh, you know, Gary, to me, it was the first NFT project where I saw utility being the driver more than the, the art itself. Like it, everything that he built into that project was really about the utility driving the project more than anything else. And so I, I just want to get a, a perspective from you on, you know, if you're liaising, if, if you're going to take some learning from the V friends experience, which is, you know, if you can do something really, really rad with the token itself, yeah. uh, people will get excited about it. And, and I mean, and, and he is the magic of that, right? Without Gary, V friends doesn't work. Is there any lesson that a consumer brand can learn from how Gary has used V friends as a platform to engage with his community? Yeah. And, and Gary will, will say this, but he really designed V friends, um, as a blueprint for how, um, celebrities can, uh, can launch a project and the utility component was super important to him when we were designing the program he wanted, um, because, you know, people will pay thousands of dollars just to go hear Gary talk every day. Um, that's not new. That's like, you know, he's a public speaker. So adding the NFT component to it was the first of its kind at that scale. Um, you know, there's been some of these where you, you get like a physical drop or something, but on a much smaller scale, um, being able to go to a conference for three years is pretty amazing. And then some of the utility angles that, um, we did design for the more special, um, the, the more rare assets, whether that's gift goat or courtside cat, um, you know, unique access to Gary that, um, people really value and is like a once in a lifetime experience for them. Um. I think that brands can take from that that utility is critical. Like we get, uh, you know, lots of proposals from brands who want us to help them with just like whatever, drop our XYZ, like our product in a 3D form and then like let's drop it as an auction. And we always have to, you know, encourage them that that isn't very interesting. Um, and yeah, maybe somebody will buy it, but it's much more uh, valuable to think about like a program and something that unlocks utility for consumers. Um, and that's why Friends was successful. Not the art, even though of course, Gary's a wonderful artist. Um, He's, his but art, the art is lovely. Is, yes. It's not, uh, the art's not the angle, right? It's the fact that you're getting access to a conference for three years. That's the angle. You're getting access to Gary's community that has 175,000 people on Discord. Um, and that was, I think there's two parts. There's one, um, brands can take that you need to have utility behind the NFTs and two, um, you need that the access is really attractive. Like that's just an amazing, like use of the technology and three, the community part really, really matters. Um, like I said earlier, we don't, haven't seen any brands like successfully navigating this quite yet. Um, keep, keep your eyes peeled for, for some exciting stuff that we're going to be cooking up, um, and launching shortly, but you know, just having that, um, 
having that community has been like, you know, life-changing for a lot of people and, and they'll post in the discord and it's amazing to see that, that they really feel that be friends has changed their life and, you know, has given them a community, um, to, to be a part of. Um, and it's all very tied to Gary's values. You just said Gary's the magic, which is definitely true from, you know, just his celebrity and, um, the way he's influenced people, but also the values that he wants to spread in the world, like empathy and kindness and patience. Um, and the fact that I think that, um, you know, the characters were so tied to things that Gary talks a lot about also really strengthens the program because it's very true. It resonates with his brand and him for sure. These are the things that he holds dearest. So yeah, there, there's the total authenticity in that project, which uh, I think definitely resonated. And what's been interesting is watching people who maybe didn't like Gary that are in the NFT space, just have so much appreciation and gratitude for his involvement in making this, the space um, have more credibility. I think, you know, you'll, you'll see people in tweets say like, you know, I really wasn't a huge Gary Vee fan, but what you're doing for the NFT community is really, really rad. So, um, yeah, no, I think his project. Yeah. And I think that that authentic perspective, you said it right, Jeremy is, um, really important because also if a celebrity just does a drop and we've seen this from different celebrities and then they get interviewed and it's like, you know, which NFTs do you like? And they say, I don't have, I don't have any, or I don't have cryptocurrency. And you know, that doesn't feel very authentic, um, (laughs) to, to the community. Um, so that's another thing that we've been helping to navigate is, is also educating these celebrities and athletes and ambassadors on, on like why this matters. And, you know, to us, their authentic perspective on this really is critical. Um, so it doesn't just seem like we're slapping their face on something um, and dropping it. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny because uh, there's, I'm not going to name the celebrity. There's one celebrity in particular that showed up on Twitter with a cool cat as a profile picture. And all of a sudden this person is, you know, into NFTs and they are a really interesting celebrity that if you had some level of like interpersonal communication utility going on with whatever he was minting, people would have been into it for, for just the chance to get access to this person. Yet I see a lot of these celebrity products be sort of cash grabby and not provide any sort of utility. It's a vanity project, I guess, if you would. So I'm not surprised to hear that like there's like a lack of education in terms of Consumer brands is one thing, but personal brands and personal branding and celebrity is like a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that authenticity angle is really um, critical and people will sniff it out immediately, right? If you are just, you know, slapping your name on something, you're doing a cash grab. And and we've seen plenty of celebrity projects that haven't been successful. Um, So that's, you know, we talk about positive use cases and we also talk about um, watch outs. Um, We've showed plenty of those examples as well. Just because you launch an NFT project doesn't mean you're going to sell it for $600,000 or, or millions of dollars. Like, you know, if you look at the value of BeFriends, that, um, a lot of that value, uh, has, has come from the authenticity, not just the initial drop. The last time Gary came to Dubai, I made a fake media credential. I was still school principal and I I actually got access to the media panel and got to speak with him and interview him uh, and create some content out of that. So uh, I stormed the gates to meet Gary the last time he was in Dubai and I plan to do the same thing again. I will outsmart the event organizers and uh, have the opportunity to to see him again. I uh, really want to thank you for coming on, Avery, and giving up some of your time. Uh, I'm sure people are going to really enjoy listening to this episode. Anything else you want to uh, shout out or discuss or or shine a light on before we get off today? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, You know, love your podcast and and love your voice in this space. Um, Just a little plug to follow Vayner NFT um, on Twitter. Um, And yeah, we we look forward to launching some really cool projects. And hopefully the next time that we connect, we'll have some great uh, more case studies to share with you, Jeremy. Oh, thank you so much for joining. All right. Thanks so much. Bye, Jeremy. 
there you have it. I want to thank Avery Acanini for joining me uh, from Boehner NFT. Great, great, great stuff. Really enjoyed having her on and looking forward to having her on in the future. I want to thank my friends at My Moment for uh, constantly supporting the show and their sponsorship of the show. And uh, I guess for Packrit Media Presents NFT. this is Dr. Jeremy saying, see you later. All right. Peace.